Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2017. This is Chrissy talking about step two. Gosh, hi everyone, I'm Chrissy, alcoholic, gratefully sober today. Thanks to my home group, working with others, for asking me to share. It is, um, yeah, it's a privilege and um, as Lee said, it's a bit frightening and... I've been saying to people for years, don't worry, it's just sharing your own experience, it's easy. And, you know, and I'm thinking last night, holy crap, what have I done? <laughs> like, um, I don't like to yeah, plan shares too far ahead because I can really get messed up and then I don't like to not plan at all. Um, uh, thankfully, this auditorium is nothing like what I remembered. I have the disease of more, everything's bigger in my memory. <laughs> And honestly, in my mind, this is like the Athenaeum. Like, I was just... And I got here last night and thought, oh, thank goodness, it's a lot smaller. Um, I was saying to Maddie before, everyone else has got one bottle of water and I've got two. Because <laughs> that's what I need, you know. I need, yeah, more of everything. More love, more happiness, more sadness, more fun, more this, more that. Definitely more booze, more drugs, more um, escape, more anything. It takes me out of my own head. Um, But I've been asked to share on step two, Uh, came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. Um, I really, I had about a 20 second conversation with a girl, Kim, I don't know where she is, before I came in here. And she was saying step two is my biggest stumbling block. And, you know, that that is absolutely my story. Um, I came into the fellowship uh, December 2010 um, via Malvern Private Rehab. Um, I'd been drinking, you know, <laughs> Chrissy's way of drinking for 22 years and, um, and it wasn't working for me and I'd, I'd managed to get all the things that I thought I wanted in life. I had a family, three young kids, a husband, a house, a career, a car, kids, you know, oh, I said kids, anyway, they were a big part of it. <laughs> um, I had externally everything that I should need and... Um, as you hear a lot in the rooms internally, I had this massive gaping hole and the more that I actually accrued and realised that that wasn't what I was looking for, the more I drank to relieve this hole that was getting bigger and bigger. And um, I don't know, sometimes I like to think of that hole as um, the sort of the breaking in the breaking in communication between sort of myself and God. I think that deep down in every man, woman and child, and it's in the big book, there is that fundamental idea of God that we're born with. I really love that line because I, I, um, I really get that. But I also get that somewhere along the line, I don't know why, <clears throat> whether it was alcoholism, whether it was childhood, whether it was this, that or the other, that connection broke. And when that connection broke, I reckon this hole began. And uh, I didn't know how to make myself feel better. And um, I certainly wasn't looking up anywhere up there for, for the solution. Uh, the only thing that relieved me was alcohol and drugs. Um, so I love the irony in this step for me because on one hand it almost killed me because I came into AA, as I said, through this rehab and, um, you know, and I just could not grasp this idea of step two. You told me about my disease. When I, when I went into Malvern I had... Um, I had an enlarged liver. I couldn't hold my kids on my right-hand side because it hurt too much. I had numb patches all over my legs and arms. I had pins and needles in my hands and feet, beginning of peripheral neuritis. I had a swollen tongue, so I couldn't talk properly. 
I was in such bad withdrawal that um, I was on, you know, copious amounts of Valium and I still shook like a leaf. I couldn't eat in the cafeteria with other people for about probably four or five days because I couldn't hold a knife and fork and I wanted to sit in my room and I'd hold, I'm shaking now actually, but I'd hold my sandwich and, you know, and I'd have to hold it with both hands because shit would fall out of it everywhere and I was an absolute mess. But yet I thought... I'm not that bad, you know, at least I'm in hospital and and I'm not that bad. And mind you, I have a three-year-old girl and 15-month-old twin boys, you know, so life should be getting better and that was the state I was in. Um, So I was told that I had this, uh, this disease or condition that rendered me powerless over alcohol, that um, it, we talked about it last night, the doctor's opinion that um, I have this this allergy or this abnormal response to alcohol that I can't change, that I can't think my way out of, that's physiological, it, it, it's a, an involuntary side effect to alcohol that I absolutely cannot change, and, uh, and I have this mental obsession. And all of that stuff made sense because... Um, yeah, for the first time in my life, I was getting some facts about what it is that was wrong with me. And that I loved because I deal with facts. I'm a <laughs> BAS agent, which is just glorified bookkeeper anyway. Um, <laughs> so I'm a bookkeeper by trade and I like to make, well, I have to make everything balance. Everything's got to reconcile down to the scent. And I want facts and I want it to be just perfect. And I will not sleep, you know, until it is. So, yeah, so when you're giving me that kind of info, I'm like, cool, cool, I can deal with it. All right, so that's my disease. And then I'm like... So what do I do about it? <laughs> and then you give me this. <laughs> yeah. Came to believe that a power greater than yourself yeah, can restore you to sanity. You give me a spiritual answer, a spiritual solution to what I see as a real problem. You know? <laughs> and, um, and I don't want an airy, fairy, flaffy, fluffy, you know, kind of godlike um, answer to my really real problem. Um, it's not going to wash with me. And I, I actually was really, really frightened by that. Um, it says in, yeah, in uh, We Agnostics in the big book, um, but to continue as he is means disaster, especially as if he's an alcoholic of the hopeless variety, to be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis and not always is not always an old easy alternative to face and that was the ultimatum I was given and no it wasn't easy um and so cut a long story short I walked away and I thought look um I'll be sober on my own I can handle this I'm good um yeah don't worry about me you guys can have have your um your 12 steps and and your recovery that you think so wonderful and you're all kind of laugh and you clap and you're weird and you know you, you you go off and do your thing I'll go off and do mine and I'll be just fine um and yeah what what i found was uh clearly you know i have a disease that's much greater much bigger than i much bigger than i am and um and i had that that momentary lapse in thinking and uh basically relapsed after all of this sort of you know four months of recovery and my life was getting so much better um I could no longer live uh, in the problem, which was me, and I had no solution because I wouldn't look at this. So what do I do about it? Um, So thankfully I got back here a second time for the last time, and uh, this time I was desperate, and I was on my knees, and I said, okay, I'll get a sponsor, and I'll entertain the idea of this rubbish, you know, because I... 
I have no other choice. I, I literally had no other choice. I thought, I won't tell my mates that I'm going back there because I'd have bagged you all. I said, they're all God botherers, they're weird, you know, <laughs> this sort of thing. So I thought, I won't tell them I've gone back there. But, um, but yeah, I knew that between you and I, I probably needed you guys. And, um, and so I got this sponsor... And, you know, I spoke to her every day and, and that was wonderful, um, and just what I was sort of needing. And the crazy thing about this disease is that it was talked about last night and thankfully I didn't have to go through it as many times as Bill did because it's excruciating just watching this story round and round. You see him pick up over and over again and you're like, oh, see the train wreck. Um, anyway, I uh, six weeks sober, I had the sponsor, I thought I was doing all the right things and I got an invite to a wedding in New Zealand. And so I'm going to New Zealand, first time overseas, you know. <laughs> so I'm thinking like, yeah, I've arrived, it's my life. And... Um, <laughs> And, and then I started to get really pissed off. I'm like, man, how can you go overseas and not drink? You know, <laughs> especially like there were 20 Aussies. We're all going over for a good friend of mine, her wedding. And, um, and she's a massive drinker. And all my friends are going, come on, Chrissy, you can just have a couple. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I can. So I, I had every intention of getting to New Zealand at six weeks sober and drinking again, just that one last time. I was, you know, well out of Melbourne's postcode and my sponsor was never going to know. And even my husband, who doesn't understand this disease, is like, well, as long as you promise to stop, you know, before the plane on the way home, and I'm like, got it. You know, like, no worries. He clearly does not understand this disease. But anyway, um, so we're up in this aeroplane and, you know, I'm thinking about how awesome it's going to be drinking finally after six weeks and um and we start to you know descend into Wellington and um they call it windy Wellington (laughs) for a reason um we're starting to kind of the plane sort of making a few bumps and you know bumps and scrapes it sounds like and I'm quite a nervous you know neurotic sort of person (laughs) and um and I'm hearing these like bumps and shaking and I'm looking around thinking you know I wonder if this is normal and trying to gauge other people's like the normal normal reactions you know (laughs) from people um and you know they're starting to look a bit uncomfortable and anyway and then there's these huge thuds and we're like literally dropping out of the sky it felt like and to the point where my lower back was being jarred and I'm like oh my god like this is actually really bad and my husband held my hand and our three kids back in Melbourne I'm thinking this is horrendous and um and while it's dropping out of the sky I I, I looked at him he's been overseas plenty of times I'm like is this normal and he just couldn't talk he wouldn't say anything he's just looking straight ahead and then I looked saw a couple of women and there's another big bump and one of them screams and the other one starts crying I'm like shit it's not just me this is a really bad flight (laughs) like and we're really in trouble and I looked down to my side and we're sort of a bit sideways and I don't know coming into Wellington the water's really close and I'm like how how are we going to land we can't land like this I said to Chris we cannot land and right at the last minute the um the pilot aborted the landing and took off back in the sky and I remember thinking oh thank goodness this huge sigh of relief and then I thought oh my god we have to do that all over again. And I had honestly never been so panicked in my life. And my heart is racing, I'm sweating, I'm shaking. I was just in the worst state I'd ever been in. And I thought, what can I do? What can I do? I can't feel like this. And, um, and I remembered what Trish had said. And she said, if all else fails, you say the serenity prayer. And I'd never prayed. And so I said, I closed my eyes quietly and I said, God, grant me the peace. And I thought I could only say peace because I literally thought that serenity had too many syllables and I didn't have time to say that. And so I'm like, grant me the peace to accept the things I cannot change. Grant me the peace. And I said it over, just chanted it over and over again. And I remember clearly 
this feeling, it was like, and this is so weird, I, I just don't ever tell anyone else this, <laughs> but, um, but I remember this feeling of like, it was like hot water coming like through my scalp, over my face, down my face, over my neck, down my chest, and my breathing slowed down and my heart rate slowed down and I had this enormous feeling of complete peace to the point where I honestly thought maybe I'm dying, like I've never felt like this before, but all of my worries went away, totally went away, and I was just, I actually was really enjoying this experience. I was spinning myself out. I'm like, what is this? Like, anyway, I can't remember landing and everyone jumped up and clapped and da-da-da. And um, and my sister turned around. She goes, Chrissy, how are you? And I said, I'm fine. And I don't know, I had plans to drink that weekend and I think that God had other plans for me because I didn't drink that weekend And I was so mesmerised by what had happened on that plane, I thought, I want to investigate what the hell just happened. And I know I can't do that if I'm drinking, but something is telling me that there might be something in this, you know. Um, And that was the pivotal change in in my recovery because, as I said, I don't know how long I would have been like Bill picking up over and over again. I don't know if I would have survived, you know. I... As when I went into that rehab, I said, oh, Dr. Jack, it's, you know, Christmas time and my three kids are at home and, you know, I don't think it's a good time of year. Maybe I've made the wrong decision to be here. And, and he said, Chrissy, you won't see Christmas in July if you don't sit down and get this. And today I really do believe that, that I didn't have too many more picking up and uh, going out and drinking in me as much as I, yeah, would have... <laughs> well, no... I thought I would have liked to, if, if God could remove my alcoholism today and say and make it allow me to, to go off with friends and have one or two drinks, I, honest to God, would not have my alcoholism removed. I don't need that one or two drinks. I don't get one or two drinks. I don't understand it, but I don't need it. I've gained so much more in this fellowship and in this life. And, you know, I've got that, that feeling of three drinks in that I used to love, that peace, that kind of... Oh, that's what I've got when I sit down and I remember that I've got a power greater than myself, that I do have, you know, God in my life. Um, for want, I used to say for want of a better word, I like the word God now, but it's taken me five years to like to be okay with that word when, when I just totally, I just found it quite abhorrent. I thought, you know, you can't be serious, like trying to tell me that, um, you know, you say it's not religious, you say it's spiritual, I'm not stupid. You know, this is when I first came in. I'm like, basically what I read was, it says came to believe. I, 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 said, I thought it said had to believe, not came to believe, which, you know, I mean, I've got a whole lot of time. Came to believe gives me some leeway. You know, I've got a whole process, whether that's weeks, months, years. I've got time to come to believe. You know, it doesn't say had to believe straight away. And a power greater than myself ourselves that doesn't mean God I read it as God it doesn't have to mean God it can mean so many other things it's just got to be it's just got to be not you basically or not me um and restore us to sanity I thought you were calling me crazy and you know I found that yeah offensive (laughs) like basically yeah had to believe in God because you're crazy and I thought get stuffed like you know um yeah but I, I'm just, I'm really grateful um, for, I don't know, the beautiful experience that AA has given me. Um, I, 
I've tried to sort of explain, I guess, as best I can, this uh, this step two thing that that yeah, you need to you need to leave a crack open in the door. You need, well, I needed to leave a crack open in the door. I needed to not completely close it with my old ideas because my old ideas had proven time and time again that I can't get well with that way of thinking you know I can't I can't achieve the things in life I want to achieve with my way of thinking I've got to have or allow this revolutionary change and the only way I can do that is by being willing to listen to you know to a different way and uh, because I've been able to do that um and I've prayed for the willingness to be willing. Um, it's given me just a really incredible life. I get to leave here today and um, and my t- daughter is turning 10, the little three-year-old, or, or three and a half she was. She's turning 10 and she's having a sleepover with seven of her girlfriends. And, you know, we get to, I don't know, just just play party really, you know. And um, I'll probably be up until four in the morning. But, you know, seven sets of parents are entrusting me with their pride and joy and I can tell you six seven years ago that would not have happened you know so I'm very very blessed and um, thanks for asking me to share and have a wonderful weekend. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au. Thanks for letting us share.